Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Brandstatter, and welcome to this episode of Conversations With. For a long time, Michigan fans have been after me to go back and revisit my time on Michigan Replay, the iconic coaches show with Bo Schembechler and then Gary Moeller and finally Lloyd Carr. I co-hosted for 28 years that television show, and it ran for 33. Pretty amazing these days. The background and the behind-the-scenes stories are unique and great history, so I decided it was time to bring Michigan Replay back with all the ins and outs. And wouldn't you know, when I decided to do that, the Bentley Historical Museum decided to digitize over 20 years of Michigan Replay shows and make them available to Wolverine fans to watch from the Bentley website. If you go to myumi.ch slash ergy2, you can get to all the shows. But to talk about the inside story of these shows, you need to hear from the producer of Michigan Replay for 33 years. His name is Bob Lipson, and Michigan Replay was his baby. He was in the middle of it right from the beginning. And I will admit the history of the show is fascinating for Michigan fans who made their fall Sunday mornings revolve around Michigan Replay. Bob and I have been friends for over 40 years now, so it was an easy and interesting conversation with Bob Lipson. So Michigan Replay, the iconic Michigan Replay, is kind of getting a rebirth thanks to the Bentley Historical Museum at Michigan. They're putting all the old episodes up on digital. And you were the producer from the beginning of that show to the Rich Rodriguez era. Bob, welcome to Conversations With. And how did you get that job in the first place? Hey, I'm the luckiest guy on two feet, let me tell you. I was always a Michigan fan. And uh, I had just started working at uh, Channel 7 uh, the year before. And uh, lo and behold, I get a call into the office and saying, uh, they're talking about possibly doing a, a sports show uh, on Michigan, and I, would you be interested in doing it? And I go, well, you got to be kidding me. How would I ever say no to something like that? And uh, that was uh, very early in 1975. And uh, uh, like I said, I had just started Channel 7, and so it was a break and a half, and it was just the most fortuitous thing in the world. And uh, that was the beginning of that conversation. And Jim Osborne was the general manager at Channel 7 at the time. What was most funny about that is just, I just so cracks me up. Uh, he was a terrific boss, number one, very lively guy. But he was also the president of the Michigan State Alumni Association at that time, <laughs> which is kind of ironic that he's okay doing a Michigan show. Right. And there was no Michigan State show at the time. So um, that was the beginning, yeah. And uh, I had the program manager and met with me, and we met. And then uh, shortly thereafter, there was a meeting put together uh, at the Canopy Restaurant in in uh, in Brighton. I don't think this even exists there. Anymore. I don't think it does either. Right? That's neutral territory between Ann Arbor yeah, right. and Detroit, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was um, uh, an iconic restaurant, too, as I recall. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and so at any rate, at, um, we met there. Bo was there. I was there. Jim Osborne, uh, the program manager at Channel 7, was there. And a couple of potential advertiser guys, plus um, a fellow named Bob Foreman, who was with the Alumni Association at the time. There was this big meeting just to go over all of these plans. And basically, it was a, a meet and greet for everybody. Okay, now I'm going to stop and, you. And uh, I want to get some information because sure. there was talk, and the rumor is that there was a 
prior to Bo having his own show, there was a quote unquote bump and Duffy show where it was a Michigan, mm-hmm. Michigan state show. And I am told, uh, and you may have been at the meeting where Bo was at the meeting said, it's the Bo show or no show. Is that accurate? That is a direct quote. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, that is a true story and, uh, it, it, it really happened. And he said, um, he was, the feeling was at the time when he said it, that there would be no show, but, um, uh, the one was put together and, uh, because he wanted, uh, I mean, he saw that he, you know, remember this was already 75 and he had, he had already been there for some time and, uh, it just, and he just felt he wanted to branch out and do, you know, have build his program with his name only. And it was a tough name to remember. Yeah. But the other thing too was, is that, uh, part of the whole genesis of getting this program started was to increase Bo's salary because Canham was notoriously cheap, the athletic director at Michigan at the time. And Bob Foreman, who was the uh, executive director of the Alumni Association, was instrumental with Canham in finding a way to augment Bo's salary, and this TV show was the prime mover in that regard. That's absolutely true. And uh, it wasn't, in, and it was a two-folded way of, of paying him, obviously, he got paid for doing the show itself, but there was also what they, they created. This came from the old days down in Alabama, Bear Bryant. It was a, what they called a crawl at the end of the show where you would just run a bunch of names and these people would all pay X amount of dollars to have their name run at the end of the show. It was kind of like in the, within the credits basis. And that money went directly to Bo. And that's really where he made most of his money. Right. But and, they did, and, he didn't make a lot of money as a head coach. No, I know. And, and well, what, he came in 1969 for $1,000 more than he was exactly. making at Miami of Ohio. Exactly. But that yep. crawl at the end, economically, that was so very important. And it wasn't just individuals. There were some companies who oh, jumped yeah. in there and said, we want to get our name in there, but we don't want to pay for a full advertising budget. But it was perfect, that scroll, to do what Michigan wanted to do to augment Bo's salary. Is that accurate? Exactly true. And the thing about him is, yes, there were companies, but quite honestly, these were mostly companies that weren't traditional television advertising companies. Um, you know, So these were not the guys that you would normally see a TV ad made from. They would be, you know, uh, industrial companies and things like that, uh, that, that jumped in and, and we're Michigan, let's face it, they were Michigan fans and they, the whole, the whole push was really to, uh, to help both. And it and did help there. It did help both. And that was the whole story. Bo was the coach. You're a yeah. youngster and he mm-hmm. has this reputation as the dragon swooping down <laughs> When you first met him, what was your impression? You had a preconceived notion that he was kind of a badass, didn't you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It was a, he was a he was a frightening kind of a character because of his reputation. Now, um, so you, yeah, you had a, you you walked on eggs, and, and I'll be honest with you, even starting the show, the first I would say year or two, you walked on eggs a bit because he wasn't confident. about first off, he never loved the media. You know that as well as anybody. He was never a media lover. It was an adversarial relationship. Exactly. Yeah. So, so right off the, and he treated me, even though I tried to tell him, I am not the media. I'm not here to, you know, do an expose (laughs) on anybody. How many, but he, but but how many television? So therefore, Bob, how many times did you say to him? And I heard you say it, Bo, I'm not the enemy. (laughs) (laughs) There are countless times. I I couldn't, it would be an endless number. I have no idea how many it would be, but it, it's true. That's very, very true. And, and it didn't always, it didn't, 
it, that that changed after a couple three years. Basically, that's when he he knew I wasn't going to do anything to screw things up. And the other beauty of it is, and this is the next step in a relationship with Bo Schembechler, uh, he, after a while and you got to know him and you got to understand his moods and, and where he was coming from, he became lovable. Uh, and, and oh. you just, you just couldn't do enough for him because he was your buddy and, and he that's acted right. and treated you the same way. Yeah, that's right. He would do anything for you. There was no question about it. It was great it to just, get into yeah. that circle, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. It was very comfortable. And it was, and I tell you, he was one of the, to this day, he's one of the people I most admire in my entire life. And I'm, I'm no spring chicken as re, as you well know. Yeah. We've um, known each other 40 years over 40. Yeah. 40. That, that's right. That's right. And, uh, and that's the other funny thing about doing, about starting the show out, uh, prior to the Mr. Brandstatter being part of the show, uh, the late great, uh, Larry Adderley, uh, was the host for five years because he was staff at channel seven at the time. And that's where you did and the show. So that made all, too. Yeah, I know. And he was a Spartan and he actually yeah. was a walk on at Michigan state, but that's where you did the show. That was the, he was actually the perfect host for the beginning of that oh, program, yeah. right? Absolutely. From that standpoint. Sure. And, 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 and Bo never really minded that Larry was a Sparty. He didn't, that didn't, that didn't bother him in the least because Larry, Larry was a true professional and, and treated, you know, straight down the middle. Yeah, and, and in those early years, you, you did have your moments, didn't you? When it wasn't the first show because you were using coaches film, which was 16 <laughs> millimeter double sprocket film for those out there that are uh, film buffs, they would know what that means. And, mm-hmm. and the first show against Wisconsin in 1975, Correct. you had a little bit of an issue. We, uh, yeah, that, you can safely say that. I would, uh, I would agree with with, with that. Is. We, uh, the show was quite honestly, it was live in those uh, those early days. It was, it wasn't taped. It started it was like four o'clock in the afternoon, and I think it was a, was the time stop within a, within an hour or so at that time. Um, it was live, and we, you're right. We had double perf coaches film, which basically showed, you know, eighty yards of the hundred yard field. So everybody, all the players were just little little things running around and um and it was double sprocket like you say and then the projectors we roll up in the first uh first segment we roll a film for the michigan versus wisconsin at the game was at wisconsin and um and two things happened basically the end zone said instead of wisconsin it said nostalgia and rick leach became a right-handed quarterback because the film was in backwards <laughs> at least it wasn't and, uh, upside down and that's true. That's true. That's right. But uh, so we did fix it in the first commercial break. So the first half was backwards. The second half was corrected. And uh, what, did, we, what, what was Bo's comment to you afterwards during the show? He said, well, that's interesting that Leach has turned into a right-hander. <laughs> exactly. Did he say anything after the show? Like, would you oh, guys yeah, get it together? Of, yeah. oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, he ripped us, you know, that we would do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and rightfully so. I couldn't argue with him. It was it was a huge mistake, and that we we, we used that kind of footage. Uh, I think it was the first two years before we the budget got big enough with the stations to allow us to go out and shoot our own stuff. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it it was um, it was not a pleasant time, that's for sure. And when did you sense that that Bo kind of got it that this was a vehicle, this was a decent thing for him, not just from an economic standpoint, but from a, a reputation standpoint. I, I felt maybe midway through the first season, even that he, he he was getting really comfortable with it, and 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 what really helped once again, I'll come back and and just give all the kind of plaudits to uh, to Larry Adderley 
that he made it easy for Bo and that they, he was very easy to get in and out of segments. And, and Bo was comfortable talking about it. He, he didn't, uh, he, he was really good with, he was really good with the show. That was the other thing about it is because he had a little cherubic kind of humor about him that when, as he got more comfortable that he would use. And certainly he used it more than five years later when you became the host yeah. and the digs he did to you on, I, on, on the air. In he, the air, on the air. Yeah. Back in 1980, when I took over, he was a bona fide TV star and he knew it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No question about that. Who yeah. came up with the idea? And it's iconic now. After Bo's uh, open heart surgery for his second bypass, you guys did an interview with Larry, and you did it while jogging, and and that's become an iconic kind of an interview in the history of Michigan football. Who came up with that, and how did you actually put the logistics together on that? Because back then, that wasn't an easy thing to do. No, it, no, it really wasn't. But um, once again, it's uh, I've that. I'm not going to say who took who gets credit for it because, as you well know, television is a team game. So I, uh, it was, it was a, a team that puts that kind of stuff together. And every that was the other thing that we had is that everybody that worked on that show, no matter what, how big their job was, a cameraman or sound man, they all loved doing it because you got to remember these are basically the early days of that kind of television, and. Uh, so everybody went out of their way just to do the very best job they could possibly do. So the idea of, of, of the track was obviously because, you know, Bo had the, the surgery and, uh, and it was a perfect vehicle to show and to, uh, to show that he was a healthy man, that he wasn't going to be uh, handicapped on the sideline. That was part of the reasoning. It was to give confidence to, um, to the fans and to the, re- the recruits and potential recruits and, uh, and kids out there that for potential players that, that Bo was healthy and he was going to, he was going to be around for a while because the other major thing about that TV show was as much as it was from an economic standpoint for Bo, it was a recruiting vehicle. It, it, it recruiting isn't, wasn't the way it was back then, the way it is now with all these services and all this kind of stuff. So the exposure of the program around the state and around uh, certain, some of the Midwest areas that we put the show in over the years, um, help from a recruiting standpoint. So that 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 whole jogging thing of showing him being healthy, uh, going around the track was was partially just to give confidence to everybody. One of the other things that uh, first of all it was a great innovation, I think, and it showed Bo, and it did exactly what you wanted it to do. But the other thing that you also did was you called the show Michigan Replay. You didn't call it the Bo Schembechler Show, and you were the producer, so this was kind of in your ballpark, and. Why not call it? Because everybody else had, you know, the Duffy right. Doherty show, you know, the Araparsegian mm-hmm. show. You yep. you chose to go a different way. Why? I did it on purpose because I, my comment at the time was somewhere, some way, somehow, sometime down the road, Bo will not be the head coach of that television show. But I want that television show to continue whoever that next guy is. So by calling it Michigan Replay, it allows it to be what it was. It could have a, a life now. But I didn't know at the time how long Bo was going to be around, which God love him. I, I appreciate the fact that he was around for a long time. But that was that was one of the reasons. And also the fact that people had a hard time with the name Shem Beckler. And in fact, I, I tease everybody. They ask me, how'd you, how did I get the gig? And I say, well, I could spell Shem Beckler. That's the reason. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that was that was the truth is that I wanted the show to last past Bo's time. And it, and 
and over the years it did because because then um, then Jerry came along and then Lloyd. And um, one last thing before we go: those first five years with Larry Adderley again. People, I did the show for twenty whatever years. How many ever show number of years I did? You did the show for you. You did the show for thir- for twenty eight years. Twenty eight years. Uh, but mm-hmm. but Larry Adderley in those first five years, uh, I, I thought again did a great job with the show, and he's kind of the foundation of where we went because the format and and everything and how that whole thing went together. You and Larry kind of mapped out for those five years, and it maintained its way with little subtle changes here or there for the next 28. Yep, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely The basic show did not change um, over the years. I mean, yeah, yeah, we, the, the, once again, technology allowed you to make some changes and do things differently and add different segments and that kind of stuff. And certainly it changed radically from over the, thir- the 33 years of the show. Um, technology-wise that allowed us to do certain things. But the basic format did not change over those years. You're right. That's pretty amazing stuff. The other thing is there was an iconic theme song, and Michigan's got the victors. It's the, the greatest fight song in collegiate football. And and yet you didn't use that as the theme song to open the show. You used something else. And uh, there was a reason for that, too, and it was one of those things where you, when you tried to change it, you got all kinds of uh, nasty letters. Tell us about your decision on the theme song for the original Michigan Reaper. Um, I did catch a lot of heat when I changed it. I felt that the older, after so many years of running it, that people would be tired of it. Uh, I couldn't have been more wrong. I lasted three years with a different theme song that I couldn't even tell you what it was. Uh, before I got so much hate mail that uh, uh, I brought I brought it back again. Um, I spent the, the, the genesis of the song is I had everything put together for the show. I was ready to do it. I had the name. I had the graphics. I had everything done. Um, but I didn't have the theme song. And like I say, I did not want to use the pictures because once again, it was stubborn me. Everybody used the fight song with their given school for all these culture shows. And there were culture shows all over the country. Um, so I spent hours and hours and hours on end listening to music, listening to records, and I finally found one that that struck a nerve with me, and uh, and it was a song from across 110th Street. It was the theme song by uh, Isaac Hayes. Yeah, and it came from a movie. Yep, across 110th Street. That was the name of the movie. Now I never told Bo where it came from because <laughs> it was a movie about drug kingpins and. All this kind of stuff. I would never tell him what it came from because he'd have had a fit. Because, you know, drugs were still in sports were a problem, but we didn't get the drugs, but we sure took the music. And then I, I still, I keep the, I keep the music on my, on my desktop on my computer and every once in a while. I'll, I'll play just to remind me of the good old days. Well, we've got it playing underneath our conversation now, and now we're going to move on to 1980 because you actually took the show and Bo. Uh, away from Channel 7 and started your own company back in 1980 uh, and came and did the show at Channel 4. That's where I started. What was the genesis of that change? Okay. Um, I had made a decision in, in 19, at the end of 1979 season going to 1980 um, that me and another fellow at, uh, who worked freelance at the station, we wanted to go into business for ourselves. We wanted to have start our own production company, which we did, a company called CTC. And, um, so we, uh, channel seven, I told channel seven, I was leaving 
and that I wanted to do the show uh, still there. But they said, nope, if you're leaving, you're taking it. We don't want the show anymore. So I then uh, had to start shopping the show around. I went to Channel 4, and and they accepted the show. And uh, that's when um, I was at the, the good fortune of latching on to a fellow named Jim Brandstatter. <laughs> Lucky who I was. Happened to be, yeah. Who happened to be on his honeymoon at that time. That's right. Lucky yep. I was working at Channel 4 at the time. That's right. You, you were you were staff at Channel Four, right? Having to deal with with Al Ackerman <laughs> and Lucky You and uh, Joe Pellegrino and, we, and a few others. Yeah. So when we sealed the deal with Channel Four, we got a hold of you, and you came down and uh, and we started. Uh, that was September of late, late August, early September of nineteen. Uh, of 1980. Yeah, and the other thing you did was that, and again, you started taping the show. This was so, it was difficult for Coach Schembechler, but I think he understood the importance of it. You taped it on the same day uh, as yep. the game, usually eight or nine o'clock on Saturday night, and then played it Sunday morning. And that became a quote unquote destination for a lot of Michigan fans. Was that when the show got its most popular? Yes. There was no question about it. That uh, that 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 noonish kind of time slot um, on Sunday was, was phenomenal. It just it just changed everything for us and uh, and made made it much more important. And we got great ratings and it was just a good deal all the way around. And um, and that lasted for I would say three years or so that we were at Channel Four. Yep. In the meantime, you 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 no longer worked at Channel Four, and you were freelancing around. Yep. And that's and I got we cut a deal with Channel Seven and went back to Channel Seven again, and you were able to go with the show. I know, and, and we did it there. Later on, we went to Channel Two. Well, that came about simply because of the NFL. When the NFL cut the deal with Fox Television Network to move the NFC games to the Fox network that opened up in Detroit channel two being, um, the affiliate in Detroit's obviously the, the major affiliate you have to deal with. So I had the idea that what if we, you know, they had, they created that, that noon show, the, uh, the, the perfect time slot for Michigan replay. That would be 1130 on Sunday preceding the NFL pregame shows. And that's where we became, and that, that deal worked and channel two took us in and we stayed there for years and years and years um, with that ability because of what the NFL and Fox broadcasting did that helped us tremendously. And that, that, that having that kind of being the lead in for the NFL was just beautiful for us. And the other thing, how much did you have to work to convince Bo, you know, his Saturday, if he played a one o'clock game, I mean, his Saturday didn't get done until midnight when he got home because he was driving from Ann Arbor to Detroit, either downtown or Southfield, taping a show and then going back. How how hard was it you to convince him this is going to work, this is going to be best thing for the show? I don't think it was difficult at all because he knew he had to have the exposure. And this was the only way to get it done. He never really fought me, fought me on it. And, and what we did was, we to make it easy for him, he didn't drive. We would. I remember the early. I think the early years we had a fellow named um, um, uh, Perry. Um, uh, Will, Will Perry, Perry uh, worked for Michigan at the time. He drove Bo in, and then one of our favorite all-time cigar-chomping yeah. guys. Why I can't say his name all of a sudden. Oh, Alex Agassi. Uh, Alex Agassi. Thank you. Who was just a charmer, uh, and he drove Bo in, and and maybe and I gotta tell you, especially Alex 
was great for Bo. They yacked the whole way in and out, and then Bo would do the show, and it wasn't that bad um, for Bo. Um, he, he never really complained that much about it. Now, it, it got to be a problem, quite honestly, when we had when they started doing night games. We yep. played Penn State on the road at night. Yep. We played Minnesota at night uh, on the road. And then we'd be taping like 3 and 4 in the morning. And not only was Bo grumpy, someone named Branstad was kind of grumpy too. Because I was broadcasting the games. That's how long they right. were both of us. But the other yep. thing about Alex, I wanted to go back because he was one of the questions I was going to ask you about. Uh, Alex Agassi, old dinosaur, he and Bo were two of a kind. Yep. And and they would get in the car and they'd take that 45-minute-hour drive, chomping on cigars, talking about the game. To me, that's a classic example, Bob, of unintended consequences. We got him to be Alex, to be a guy to drive Bo over. So Bo didn't mm-hmm. have to drive himself and stay awake, all right. those things, right? Yep. But it turned yep. out that Alex became a conduit for a better Bo on the air because oh, yeah. they had such a great time driving over. Bo walked into the show lots of times in a great mood, even after losses. Absolutely. He would be laughing and having a joy in himself because Alex was, was great therapy for him. They just, they, they were, like you say, two peas in a pod. They were so similar in personalities. Um, and it was so much fun. And it just made made our lives so much easier because Bo, never, never, Bo was never a problem. Which surprised a lot of people that, you know, because he, once again, you go back even to the later years, he had the reputation of being an SOB, which we knew he wasn't. I mean, what, what, some of my favorite, my favorite stories would be, he, I remember one time we were at Channel Vision, we were taping at Channel 2, and he had, there was some question about um, the, the late, great Millie, his, first, his wife. Um, at the time, um, was having a problem with something, and he had a caller. And you had to hear this rough, tough, hard-butted uh, coach <laughs> talking talking to Millie. You thought he was, you know, Casper Milk Toast. I mean, he was, yes, dear, okay, dear. Well, you do this, dear, okay, dear. He was just so meek and mild. It was like a totally different human being. It was hysterical. Yeah, and he, he these left. are certain pictures that I have in my mind that will never fade. And there's another picture, and I want to share it with the people listening to our podcast. Those of us who never, those of you who never got to sit and watch Bo prior to coming into the show, he would sit in a newsroom or a sports office, and he would grab the AP wire copy of all the scores of the football games across college football for the entire yep. day, and yep. watching him read those scores, sitting leaning back in a chair. Wasn't that one of those images that will never go away from you, Bob? It, absolutely. And it was, the, the great thing about it is the, the way the nicknames that he would give oh. some of the schools, <laughs> you know, he, would, he wouldn't call them. Uh, he, he, I, someone don't, they, they escape me right now. But he would say, you know, uh, Bill and Mary and this kind of stuff. Is that yeah. William and Mary? Uh, this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And he would just do that for a whole bunch of schools. And oh, they did this. And, and he would give a little commentary about the scores. Oh, they got whipped up by no one. So and it was hysterical to listen to him. Oh, I love it when he goes things like, oh, Bill and Mary beat Hofstra. They're killing him exactly. at Hofstra. The other one, remember the story? He told us about Wofford and the Terrier meat. Oh, that meat. was one of the classics. Yeah. The terrier meat, Terrier meat. <laughs> uh, just, these are classic things, like you said. We will never, ever, ever forget. And it's a they're, shame. They're, they're indelible. It's yeah. a shame that a lot of people didn't get a chance to see him that way because uh, it, That's it was right. such a delight. Yep. All yep. right. No so, question about it. So uh, it's at Channel 2, and Bo's walking down the hallway. 
And and I don't know whether you were with me or we were together or whatever, but Bo said, I think this is the end. I'm not I'm done after this year. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Were you a surprise? I, I was kind of thinking that he had something going on, but uh, I was surprised he actually told us. <laughs> yeah. It, which bothered me, to be honest, to tell you the truth. Only because the idea was that you couldn't tell anybody else, okay? Yeah. But my, my and I was worried the story would get out because he wanted to keep it under wraps. Um, at the same time, uh, I don't know who else he was telling. And the thing that always bothered me is, what if somebody else he told told it? He, he thought that, that it was you or me that, that leaked it. And I, that always bothered me. I kind of like, I didn't want to know things. Yeah. If I didn't know something, I couldn't blab it. The other thing is when uh, there was that situation, but when he almost went to Texas A&M. Yeah. We were doing we we were doing highlight videos for him during those periods. Oh yeah, and I'm sitting in the I'm sitting in the control room at a place called Grace and Wild, a post production house, and he's having phone conversations with the Texas A and M people. And I gotta find I'm I'm calling in all the time to say, is he gone? Is he in this video or is he not in this video? Because if he was going to be a Texas A and M, Bo gets axed out of the uh, out of the video naturally. So. um it went on and on and on. I remember those; those were trying times. And until so I heard the story once again that <laughs> Millie told Bo, "quote unquote," we are not moving to College Station, Texas. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. He did not go to Texas. That's right. But there was a guy named Blake that was giving him an oil well. Oh, that I was know. The story at least. Well, yeah. he, he told me he said not only would my grandchildren be taken care of, but their grandchildren would be taken mm-hmm. care of. Yep. Then you move and the transition goes to Mo. Um, and, and Mo came in, he was such a football coach, but had not yet figured out kind of the media end of the business. Right, had he. right, right. He was more difficult from that standpoint. Yeah, he never did get, he never did get real comfortable with it. He never did. And, uh, and which, was, which was too bad for Mo because um, he, was, he was a terrific football coach. He really was. And, uh, but but it, was, it was harder for him. Yeah. It really was. It didn't come as easy. The personality didn't come as easy as it did with Bo. But boy, could he right. coach. Mo, oh, yeah. Mo was a, a a great coach, in my opinion. Well, he opened things up a little bit more than you know than under Bo. I, I still think back to that touchdown pass to Desmond in the, in the corner of the end zone. I'll right. Put it down. Right. I mean, just those are the kind of things that <laughs> that I just I just thank my lucky stars that I was that I was around for. Yeah. It, it, I, those those are those are great iconic moments that we both witnessed. Now yeah. when Mo came on board, you and I both worried about what are we gonna do ratings wise, what's gonna do how much did we take a hit or and, and, but it it always oh, yeah. came back, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, we took a hit initially. We took a hit. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it did come back because and once again it was because it was Michigan. And and, and Mo and Mo won. I mean, he, you know, we, we were successful with, with Mo. And and that's still the key to everything. It's uh, it's how well uh, how the how's the team doing? That's that's a big thing. But and the thing that always and once again the thing that that you were on TV as years went on, the teams were on TV more often. I mean, going back to the early days, back seventy five through through eighty and all, if you got on TV once or twice a year, that was a big deal. But as you, like now, you get every game in the world's on TV. So, yeah. so, it, so therefore, people saw the show, but saw the saw the uh, the game much more often as as years went on because there was more exposure of the game itself. Uh, but the the Rays, you know, came back and we and we did fine. There was no problem. It was never an issue 
a renewal from a station standpoint with uh, because of the ratings. Never. And, and we always had advertisers. And it was during that period of time with Mo and then Lloyd when, when the night game started. Yep. And it got to be long, long days, not just for Mo, Lloyd, and I, but you too. You mm-hmm. guys had crews. You yep. you were on yep. the road doing uh, sound bites in the locker room for bumpers, what sure. we call it. Sure. So yep. Th- yep. those became extremely long days. And that was kind of where it became – it became work, I think, sometimes. Home games were no problem, but road games sometimes were a difficult time. But it had to be done that way, right? That's true. But at the same time, as the years went on, remember, we know, they know uh, I can't remember the year when they built the control room. We, we had a studio now in Chrysler Arena, and that's where we did the show. God, I can't remember what year that was. Was that 89 or 90? Probably later than that. It was later than later that. Than yeah. that. Yeah, it was in yeah, Lloyd. No, we never did Mo over there, so it would have been after Mo no, with no, leaving. Was, Lloyd it, came on, right? It was Lloyd came on. Yes, and the, and and Tom Goss agreed. He wanted to build a studio in Chrysler Arena, and I talked him into. I said, if we're going to build a studio, let's do rather than a cable studio, let's do a full broadcast studio. So he sprung for the extra money because I said we could tape the show there. And that's what we did. And that made things a lot easier for everybody, you, me, and Lloyd, uh, uh, to be able to do the show right there in Chrysler Arena yes. after, after the game. It sure did. And especially for the coach because he didn't have to drive yep. into Detroit at 3 no or 4 drive. in the morning. Yeah. yeah. That's now, right. the other that's thing right. is, uh, Lloyd, they, the transition between Mo and Lloyd was tough because that none of us wanted to see Mo go the way it happened. And then right. Lloyd came out, and I thought Lloyd was – Almost walking on eggshells a little bit the first mm-hmm. few months that he was in the job yep. because he didn't, he didn't want experience. to do well, and he didn't want to do anything wrong, and he didn't want right. to do anything to uh, tarnish Mo's memory at all either mm-hmm. because he and Mo right. were good friends. That they put him friends. in a yeah. tough spot to start Michigan sure. Replay, didn't it? I absolutely agree. Yeah, that's totally true. It, it was hard, and it, and uh, because it was such a difficult thing we went through. With, 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 with Mo. And I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, my memory today that how difficult those days were. And then, and Lloyd, because as you said, they were very, very close. And, uh, back in the days, I think it was at Illinois. And, uh, so yeah, he, he, and, and once again, it was also the experience factor. Lloyd was not the most, um, evulsive person out there. I mean, he, uh, he, he had not had the exposure of doing this kind of stuff before. He didn't, hadn't been interviewed that much. He didn't have a lot of experience in it. And so, yeah, he walked on eggshells, I would say, initially. But I got to tell you, <laughs> he, he he sure turned it around over the years. What I was going to say. you what for like crazy. Oh, I know. But what I was going <laughs> to say was of all the guys, I mean, Bo, Bo started out at a level and got better. Lloyd made the biggest leap, I think, from oh, the beginning. To the end of his career, as a quote unquote, a television and media savvy guy who could handle pretty much anything anybody threw at him. I thought Lloyd was yep. tremendous uh, the sure last is. five, six, seven years that he was coaching. Yep. Totally true. Totally true. He, uh, he, he, re- he really came into his own and, and he enjoyed doing it. That was the other thing which I think helped because it, um, he, exp- he also liked the exposure, he looked at the value of the show. And what it did for him, not only personally and financially and all that, but once again, from the whole program standpoint, um, it was very, it, you know, he realized it and he protected me. He really did that. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a little bit, tell a lot of school here. They wanted to get rid of me 
near the last couple of years of, of, of Lloyd's reign because they wanted to cut the show back. Um, at that time, we had the show throughout the state of Michigan. We had it in the stations in Ohio. We had it in the stations in Indiana. We even had a station in Columbus, a UHF station in Columbus, and a station in Massachusetts. And 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 obviously, Mo, uh, sorry, Lloyd loved all that. Uh, but there was a mood of uh, of people at in the athletic department at that time. They're no longer there. Who wanted to? They, they wanted to just shrink the size of the show, and um, and Lloyd wouldn't let them. And that that saved me. Now it worked out great because when Lloyd retired, I was I was done, and that was fine. Um, and and life goes on. But uh, yeah, he uh, Lloyd protected me the last couple of years. The other thing is, is that you protected Lloyd a lot because uh, oh, well. the great stories were at three or four in the morning when we're doing a show on a road night game. He would come in from the office because he would always go to the office while we were editing, and then he would come yep. over when we were ready to tape. <laughs> and he looked; his eyes were bloodshot. He looked awful, and and you would <laughs> lean his head back and and. <laughs> Throw the visine in there so that his exactly. eyes would get back. To, where did that start? Just because you're not a makeup guy, but boy, you you took one look at him and said, at some point, we got to fix I this. I had to. His eyes were awful. They were all bloodshot, and so I I, I had to do that because he just didn't look good. And uh, but boy, when he you know he he let me do it. That was the other thing. Is you know first he was a little reticent at first, but after that, after the first initial time or two. He, he had no. He knew that it was the right thing to do, and once again, like he was a real trooper. He said, "This what we got to do is what we got to do," and uh, and uh, so yeah, he, that I, I that has slipped my mind. Yes, I was I was the makeup artist. That's I put the visine in his eyes. And then uh, after Lloyd retired, Rich Rodriguez came. Basically, that you that was your run, and you were done. But you had that, that's the longest run I think of anybody in any coach's show that I can recall uh, as as a producer, much, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. 33 years. It was phenomenal. 33 years. Yep. And I have no, no qualms. And the key is, is that a lot of people wonder why isn't it still Michigan replace? Because you took the name with you, didn't you? Yes, sir. I would not. Uh, it was, uh, I knew it was going to be different. Things were going to change and change is fine for other people, but they weren't going to change. And, uh, the show that I had, you know, given my blood, sweat and tears for, for 33 years and it was mine and I wasn't going to change it. So yeah, I would not let anybody else use it. I refuse to allow them to use uh, Michigan replay. Well, what I tell people when they say, why isn't it still, and I say, because listen, that was his baby. Yeah. You know, it's one of that. He, he brought that thing from nowhere to be in a pretty iconic show. And mm-hmm. I said, that's why Michigan replay went with it. And they're using the term inside Michigan football now, which is, that's right. which is okay. Yeah. But uh, you, sure. you deserve to take Michigan replay with you. Yeah. Yeah, I have no qualms. I still think it was the right thing to do. Yep. Yeah. And here's a little business here because Michigan Replay is kind of, as I said at the top of the show, having a little bit of a rebirth thanks to the Bentley Historical Museum in Ann Arbor. They are running episodes from, I think, 1975 until 1992, if I'm not mistaken. And if anybody out there is interested in going and seeing them, and that includes the old commercials and some of the clothes we wore, and 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 some of the sideburns I had. If you want to go see it, you can go to my umi. That's m y u m i dot c h slash e r g y the numeral two. That's m y u m i dot c h slash e r g y 
two. And that should take you to the spot where you can actually watch uh, Michigan Replay, produced by this gentleman, Bob Lipson, uh, from 1975 to 92. A couple final questions just to sure. – it doesn't go over football, but it goes over to you had been involved in football all those years, but you also kind of moved over to basketball. You did the coaches show. Mm-hmm. You yep. were involved in a gigantic controversy in 1989 of national importance. When Bo Schembechler gave a speak to the basketball team after they had beaten somebody and they were about ready to play Illinois in, I think, national semifinals on their way to a national championship with Steve Fisher as the head coach and for Bill, <laughs> Bill Frieder. And ESPN got hold of the, and I hope we play Illinois quote from Bo Schembechler mm-hmm. and played it nationally. And the, the reality was, Bob, that you had the rights to that, didn't you? You, not yeah. nobody else. Yep. CTC right. had the rights. Yeah, yeah, but it didn't do as much good when you play with the ESPN. Say the truth, but yeah, they 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 stole it off the satellite feed. We we had a satellite feed coming out, and they stole it off the satellite feed. That that that's how they got it, and uh, and uh, and and screwed that over. Yeah. There was a lot of controversy because Bo said, what are you guys doing? I mean, didn't, wasn't mm-hmm. Bo a little upset about the oh, whole Oh, he deal? was very upset. He was. He was very upset. Yeah, because he, he didn't want that broadcast around. And I don't blame him. No, no coach would. No, or in his case, general manager, uh, not general manager, athletic uh, uh, director, yeah, um, uh, would have uh, would have objected to that. Um, he also had the famous quote about a, a Michigan fan. A, well, when, when Frieder was leaving, um, and uh, wasn't going to coach in the uh, in the uh, NCAA's. Uh, Michigan man's going to coach Michigan, and that was the other famous quote that got out. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, those were tough. Those, those were difficult. Uh, difficult times dealing with with Bo as an administrator, not as a coach. Right, but you had to deal. You had to deflect, and you had to say, "Wait a minute, you know, I never gave this permission away." Oh, yeah. And yet, yet, right. the, yet the cows were out of the barn at that point. There's nothing you could do. You almost no. had to be Teflon and take the heat. Sure, sure. Well, there was nothing I was going to do about it. I mean, there's nothing I could do about it. It was done. It was over. And I just had to make keep my nose clean and and be a good boy for the rest for a while. Um, but, but yeah, that's absolutely true. It, uh, he can be mad at me all he wants. It, and he was, but, you know, lucky I had previous many years of dealing with him from a positive standpoint, and I had years afterwards to deal with him from a positive standpoint. The other but, com- yeah, that was, a, that was a low point. Yeah. <laughs> the other <laughs> comment, and this is a high point, uh, I read something. I was reading an article about you and uh, – like I don't know you, but Bo said once that you were his agent or whatever involved in his uh, uh, public appearances and stuff. And the quote was that you were his agent free of charge because he made so little from your work. <laughs> That's a hundred percent true. <laughs> he he was such a pussy cat, though. There were times yep. I'm sure. Yeah. That people would call and say, "Hey, how can I get a hold of? Oh, how can I do this?" And you would probably walk up and say, "Hey, I got a guy." How many times he never said no, did he? That's the other thing about Bo, and and I, you not, were so not, close to him in that regard. Yeah, he yeah, didn't say no yeah. very often, did he? No, very, very. I can't recall a time he he always we would work something out some way or another uh, that he'd be able to help out whatever it was. And yeah, no, he uh, he he never said no. You no, know, he was. He, I love the man. I mean, he just. 
I, I still think about him all the time and uh, uh, I miss him dearly. I really do. Cause he was just, he was, he was just the, the cherubic kind of a character that you just, you can't ever forget. He could be the gruff, tough, heartwarming, big daddy. I mean, he was everything rolled into one. He was just, he was an amazing human being. He really was. He was and just, that. And he, and I will always be grateful for him forever for changing my life. And he did. He did. He changed a lot of our lives, including mine. Yeah. So from yeah. a guy to end things up, Wayne State grad, you've become this amazing blue <laughs> icon guy. Yep. When, when you started your broadcast career, uh, and you started it, I think Channel 4 is a stage manager. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Yep. Did you ever think that it would the path, the journey would take you where it did. And oh, any God. comments on that journey? It just, it, it, it I, I am truly, I, I feel like Lou Gehrig about being the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I just, it just, things just turned out and it, and it was so great for not only me, but my family. And that, I mean, the places they got to go, we went on bowl trips and, and that they would get to hang out with all, with all these people. And the kids, to this day, my kids are, are well into adulthood, and they still remember the the days of traveling, uh, going to the bowl games, and that oh, kind of stuff. The and, hot and there, no, Bob, Bob, Bob before it's before you finish the hot tub in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh my God, the hot tub in Phoenix, Arizona. Remember for this Fiesta Bowl? <laughs> yes, I remember it very well. <laughs> that was one of the all-time great bowl games ever. Yeah, absolutely, that was a great trip. That was a great trip. Yes, I remember the I remember the uh, the hot tub very very well. <laughs> you weren't supposed to have any alcohol in those those things. I thought. Well, we uh, yeah, nobody was watching. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can't thank you enough. This has been so much fun, and hopefully those. Oh, folks, I loved it. Hey, yep. I got so much comment from somebody. They said, "Hey, why don't you do something about Michigan replay?" We all wonder where it went, and I said, "You know." I wonder if Bob would be interested in going on about that. I didn't think you were, you know, whether you wanted to go there or not, but the stories, when I started doing the research and how we were going to talk, I thought about all this stuff and it has been what a wonderful trip down memory lane. And I want to thank you because you've added so much to it. And uh, I was a part of a lot of it, but coming from you, the producer, um, it takes on a little bit more credence, if you will. And folks at home who've been after me to do this, here is your shot. Don't miss conversation with Bob Lipson. Hey, I thank you, Jimmy. It was great for me too to remember. I don't get the opportunity very often not to walk down memory lane like this and with all of these great memories that I have about it. I thank you very much. That was such fun. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Bob was step by step along the road with a lot of Michigan football history. It was a great ride for both of us. Remember, you can watch old Michigan replays at the U of M Bentley Historical Library website, myumi.ch slash ergy2. Keep an eye on my Facebook page, Jim Brandstatter 76 and my Twitter account, at Jim Brandstatter for updates on upcoming episodes of Conversations With. You can also find them at thebrandyshow.com or jimbrandstetter.com, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. So long, and enjoy the Conversations with Catalog.